0: This week's is parsha is Parshas Vaera, and in Parshas Vaera we have seven out of ten of the makos akharos brought upon the Mitzrim. One of the most famous ideas that's brought in of Chaim Shmuelavitz's Sichas Musar is the concept of akharos hatayiv, and how extreme a person must be when it comes to expressing thanks to somebody else, not only must the person, he says, thank another human being when that person does well by him, but even inanimate objects, even things that seemingly have no feelings, they don't have ears, they don't have hearts, they're just stuff. That, too, a person is obligated to have a for and he marshals proofs to this and one of the main proofs that he brings to this concept of akara sa'aif to everything is in this week's parsha from Moshe Rabbeinu and his reluctance to begin the first three makis. dam tzadeya Kinem are matzot that really should have been activated by Meshrabeinu as he activates all of the Makis but he refuses to do the first three. Dam and Svardeya, he did not want to hit the soil, the aar the rather, he did not want to hit the Mayim which would be turned into blood that would have the Svardeya come out of, because the water was so good to Meshrabeinu when he was put into the Aar as a young infant into that little raft, into that little boat that his mother made for him to save him from the Egyptian decree of being exterminated. He had had eternal akharasatai for that. And so he says, I can't hit the water. Furthermore, he refused to hit the Afar to begin to activate the third Makkah, which is the Makkah of Kinnim because the sand saved Moshe when he went and killed the Mitzri and he hid the body in the sand. So the sand itself performed, as it were, an act of chesed to Moshe And Moshe was eternally grateful for that chesed, and so he did not want to even hit the sand that would activate the Makkah of Kinan. Reb Chaim Shmuel it says that you see from here that HaKar Shatayv extends not only to human beings, but even to inanimate objects, a person has to have a certain sense of gratitude. You have to be grateful for things that are not even able to appreciate what you're saying to them, but you, as a human being, have to have a certain sense of gratitude, of appreciation, of thanksgiving for everything and everybody that does something uh, for you. We know that there's a Yesite in, in Taira, that where you find a Yesite, when you find something that's so golden, like this concept that Recham Shalevitz is bringing out of our parsha, there must be a reason for why. HaKadosh chose to teach us this lesson specifically here. It's not random. HaKadosh Baruch could have taught us this lesson of the extremity of HaKar HaSatayim, even to inanimate objects elsewhere. But HaKadosh chose in the Torah to teach us this lesson right here and right now in Parshat VaEra, in the midst of the Eser Makais. And I believe that there is an important reason for its placement here. When we see these parashias and we understand that there is a, a great battle that's taking place between Parai and the Rabbeinah Sholem, Parai and Meishra Para Parai and Kal Yisrael, these are not random historical Episodes that were taking place, that the Torah is teaching us a history lesson of what happened in Egypt a few thousand years ago with our leader versus their leader. That's not what the Torah is trying to do. The Torah is telling us that in life, there are two forces. There's the force of good and the force of evil. There's Taib and there's Ra, and they conflict Constantly against one another and a person's job in life is to constantly seek out the ta'if and to reject the Ra. That's what our mission in life is as a Yid. Parai was not just a bad guy. He was not just a, an evil king. Parai represents in the Sifrei Machshaba Parai represents the Sitra Achra he represents the evil the dark side of the world, as it were, he represents the Eight Sahara. All things bad are personified by Parai. All things good, of course, come from the Rabbain and Meshrabay no Yisrael. But when we study Parai and the way that Parai interacts with his people and with Klai Yisrael and with the Rabbanish, what we're really being taught is how evil is expressed in life. And we have to try to study the evil, try to understand what Paray is doing, and learn a lot of lessons from that. A great example of learning from Paray is in the Mesol Sisharim, The Ramchal says that Paray's trip of Hava Mishak let's try to outsmart the Jews, let's give them a lot of work to do because we're afraid that uh, they might rebel. Cesar Amchal, you know what Power was saying? Power is saying, if I could keep the Jews busy, they won't have time at all to think, to plan, to make any form of revolution, because they're so busy with their avidah, they don't have time to do anything else. They can't make a cheshpen of why are we here, what are we doing, because they're inundated with distraction. And the Ramchal says that Para is teaching us that that's what the Eitzahara does. The Sahara is so busy with giving us things to do, to occupy our time, that we don't have a chance in life to calculate what we're doing right versus what we're doing wrong, how to make a chesh nefesh, And we see that it's so current. It's like ripped from the headlines. We see how the Eitzahara constantly finds different mechanisms, different schemes to busy us with shtuyot, with things that don't really matter. They're not relevant to us, but we keep busy with them. Technology is the greatest tool of the Yitzhara, maybe ever in the history of the world, because look how busy we are with our technology. Look at our iPhones and how many hours we spend every day on that iPhone. The biggest Musa safer, I believe, is Manenu, is the iPhone, because it tells you how much time you have wasted every single day. Now, if you're busy, you know, listening to on on any anytime, we'll give you a pass. But if you're busy, like most of us are, with checking our texts and our WhatsApps and, our, you know, and all the statuses and all the, all, you know, whatever else, let name, that we have going on, it's pure Bittlesman. It makes us feel like we're busy, but we're not busy. That's not busyness. We could play video games a whole night, keeping us occupied, our brains, you know, on on these things that, you know, it it could relax us a little bit if we're able to keep it in check for for a limited amount of time. But sometimes it spills over. These games somebody once described to me, a guy in Yeshiva described to me that these games literally, they transform a person into a whole different world. And you get personas, and you become part of a story. And it, it, he said it makes me cry sometimes in the video games, and I, you know, it laughs. It makes me laugh, and it it gets me, it, it pulls me in. Like the video games that I was used to is Pac-Man. That was like the biggest. You know, I, I never really got emotionally attached to the guy going around and, and eating dots. But today, these video games have taken it to a whole new level, and we're sucked into it. We live in this alternate universe. And it distracts us from doing Avedis Hashem, pure and simple. It might not inherently be the worst pastime to be Isaac with on the internet. There's plenty of stuff that's much worse. But just in terms of the pure waste of time, the Ait Sahara does this. He invented these games. He invented all this technology in order so that we should feel that we're so busy that we don't have time to think for ourselves. Maybe we should be learning more. Maybe we should be davening more. Maybe we should be waking up from a minute. Maybe we should be doing more chesed. We can't make those chesed. Maybe I should stop speaking Lashon Hara and looking at this and, and listening to that. I can't make those chesed. I don't have time. I'm too busy. That was Parai's Chiddush. And that is the Et Sahara as embodied by Parai Lidairas. So what we see from Parai, what we're learning in this week's Parshius. This week's Parsha and beyond, last week's Parsha, next week's Parsha, we learn a lot from Parsha. Parsha could be the best Rebbe that we have because we learn what not to do from Parsha because he is evil incarnate. He is the, the embodiment of bad in the world. And Lahabdil, Eliphal Babdolis, by exploring the world of Meshravein, of Yisrael, and of course the Rabbi element, and how they're dealing with Parsha. We understand the right thereof to go on and the way to avoid. The Medrash describes paray in one word as a let. What is the word let, letsonas? What does that mean? When you think of a let, I think the common definition of a let is like a joker, a, a comedian, a comic, but I think that's a terribly wrong definition of the word. Sunus is not a comedian. Sunus does not mean that a guy has a sense of humor. Sense of humor is good. If you're able to have a, a healthy sense of humor and be uh, able to put a smile on people's faces with a, with a joke or two, that's not sunnis. That's a good thing. We have Kimaris and Tainas that say that Eliyahu Nabi once said, pointed out two men in the shook that they're B'nai Ayam Habam. They're people that earn Ayam Habam and this... A mother runs over to these guys and asks them, What do you do for a living? I want to I drink what you're drinking because you're getting a El Napo. They said, We're comedians, and when we see people that are sad, we make them happy. We, we tell them a joke. We tickle them. We, we, we do something funny to them to, to make them laugh. That's a good thing. That's not Leitzandis. Leitzandis isn't that I have to be serious. I have to be, you know, stone cold, like serious, stark. I, you could be playful, you could be happy, you could be smiling, you could be joy, full of of humor and and fun. That's good. That's a good thing within within reason. leitzanis really means to be a cynic, to be a cynical person. That's the definition of leitzanis. And it's this very serious matter. The Gemara says, that there are four groups of people that when they die, they are not going to be Zeichel Kabul Pnea They will not see Kabayachal, the face of the Shekhinah. And in this exclusive club of four types of people is the cat of Lake If you're a lex, if you're a cynical person, you will not be Zeichel to see the Shekhinah. Who else is in that club? A Massacre of Lashonara. If you're a shakran, you're a liar. And if you're a khanfan, you're a person that flatters people in a, in a way that's, that's, that's unbecoming. You just flatter them, you're, you're kissing up to them, you're whatever terminology you want to use. But that, those types of people, chanfanim, shakranim, isaprelashonara, and sanim, they are not zeichalakalpnei ashkina. That's a very exclusive club you don't want to be in. What is Late Leitzonus means that with my cynicism, I destroy things that are very important in life. Meaning, I could take something or somebody that's really, really special, that's very honorable, that's very important, very serious matters in life, and I could basically destroy them because I could find a way to expose something that's a weakness in it, <laughs> and by doing so, basically explode the entire concept. So let's say, for example, there is a, uh, a very big rabbi, and this rabbi is, uh, you know, he, he's, he's just a, a brilliant hamechacham, and he's a very holy person. And he's, uh, he's just, he has amazing me, does, everything is great about him. But there's one thing that he has that's, uh, you know, that, that could be perceived as a flaw. And I, with my cynicism, focus like a laser on that one thing that he has that's a little bit of a weakness. And I expose that weakness to other people and I make fun of that person because of that one thing that he has, or she has, and because of that, boom, that whole person, he's finished. The Gemara, the, the Pasuk says in Mishle, let's, that one act of cynicism, that like one act of cynicism can destroy a hundred Teichachis, a hundred Muslim So the way they explain that is, that sometimes, let's say, uh, a rebbe, a mashkiach, a rab gets up and gives a drasha, and the drasha is unbelievable. It's unbelievable drasha. It inspires people to tshuva. People are crying. People are really—they're—they're they're changing. They're being touched by every word that this—that this, that this rab is saying. But there's a let's in the back of the room, and at the end of the shmuz, instead of like everybody like walking out amazed and like. Charged to change and to do something right, he makes like a a, a, a remark that's very uh, very negative about the shmos. The, the, the rebbe, uh, you know, the, this rabbi, he can't he, he can't deliver a shmos of his life. Depending on He's, his content was okay, but like his his whole uh, flair, he doesn't have a flair for talk. almost. When everybody's listening to this, and all of the impact of that shmos, the ma'at that they got was all because of this one cynical guy in the back of the room that criticizes it and makes it all nothing. It's true for Musar. It's true for people in a shuo. can have a very chashur person. If I could find something weak about that person, destroy him. For one thing that I could find wrong, I destroy an entire person. I could destroy the Torah, I could say this or that, or this doesn't make sense about the Gemara, or that doesn't make sense, or it's outdated, or it's whatever word I could use to expose it, and because of that, I destroyed it. The That's why Litzanus is such a powerful tool, and that's why the Einish of lets us that he will never be Zecheh, because the Shekhinah has nothing to do with him. Because the Shekhinah, Hakri is Imer He's honorable. He appreciates honor. He appreciates you being mechabeh, the Torah, the Rabbi Nisham, good people. A takes people that are honorable, takes concepts that are honorable, and cheapens them and sullies them and destroys them. There's no one more powerful than a synod. A cynic could destroy things with one word. He could destroy an entire entire movement. An entire movement. Somebody that's the opposite of a cynic. I was looking up this morning on a dictionary. What's the opposite of a cynic? Is there an antonym for a cynic? I couldn't find a good word for the opposite of a cynic. But the opposite of a cynic is a person that finds the good in everything. Instead of looking for the bad and honing in on the bad, I hone in on the good. I want to find what's good, even if it's a person that's not so honorable. But if I could find some redeeming quality about this person, I could build the entire person up. That's an amazing quality. To be able to find something in every person and see the good in him and build that person up that's the opposite of a cynic. I don't know a good word for such a person. It's not an optimist. It's, not a, it's something that it's just a person that sees the good in people and in things and finds always the, the positive in everything. I think we know people like this on both sides of the equation. I know plenty of people that are very cynical. They're the guy in shul that's always negative. Whatever the Rav says, he's making a joke about it. And every time somebody tries a new initiative, no talking and davening, let's say, this is the guy that's the naysayer. He's the guy that says, No way, we're not doing that. It's never going to work. It's never going to happen. Don't even try it. Whenever somebody comes into shul, a new person in shul, ah, look at that guy over there, Nebuch. He's such a, you know, he's such a low Look at how he's dressed. Look at how he talks. Look at how he walks. Look at, you know, he, he's just not. That's a cynical person. That's a let's. He destroys things. He finds some weakness and he blows up the weakness to destroy the entire person. But a positive person, the opposite of a let's, is a person that looks at the positive. And there are people like that also. Everything is amazing. I know many people like that. They see whatever happens. Every single person they're never able. They're like they're like blind to any faults in a person. Well, everyone else is saying about a person that's nebuch and not good and this and that. He said, no, they're, they're very nice. I, I met them. I spoke to him. He's a very gishmaka guy. He's a good guy. They're happy in yeshiva. Everything is positive. It's great. How's the food? Amazing. How's the, the shiurim? I love it. Then there are people in yeshiva, everything is bad, everything is negative. Chavurah is no good, and the and the shirim are no good, and uh, everything but the shmooze is 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 no good. It's amazing. This is a tug of war that we have personally in our life. This is a constant struggle because we're always we could go either way. We could be in the negative camp, or we could be in the positive camp. We could be in the in the rainy day camp, or we could be in the in the sunshine camp. And we all have, I guess, in us that let's that's waiting to get out. But we also have the positive. We have the parai, who is the let's, and we have the abeno, that's the positive. And let me explain how we see parai's late sons. At the beginning of last week's parasha, Pare says, let's try to outsmart these Jewish people because they're getting too big. They're too powerful. We have to destroy them. We have to stop them. They might rebel against us, ally with our enemies, and, and topple our entire culture and our system of governance. We have to do something about the Jews. And what is the Russian that he uses? Pen bit I'm afraid that they might get great. Meaning, Pari is focused on the negative. He's saying that I have to do everything to stop the Jews because I don't want any good to come out of them. They're, 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 they're good people, and I have to destroy them. Pen because I'm afraid that the positivity of the Jews, the greatness of the Jews, the chesed of the Jews, all the great attributes that Klai has, the Rahmanas and the Gema'le and the, Chassadim, and the Busha, the Vaishanos, all the great things that Kala Yisrael represented in the world, the conscience that it gave the world, the goodness, Pen Yerba, Chass they should never, ever sprout forth. We don't want that. We want to destroy it. We have to find the weak belly, the weak underbelly of the Jewish people and destroy that. HaKadosh Barucho says, really? You're saying Pen yirbe? I say, Kain Yerbe. Now she brings that medvish. Kain Yerbe b'chem Meaning, the difference between Pen and Cain is one, it's a, it's, a, it's a word off, it's a letter off, but it's the difference between Shemayim and Haaretz. Pen Yerbe is, I'm afraid, lest they grow, lest they become successful. I don't want people to be successful. I want to destroy any shemets of Success that anybody has because if you're successful, that's a threat to me That's the psychology of a Why is a always destroying other people because he doesn't feel successful himself. So if you see somebody else That's learning that if you see somebody else that's davening with Kaban if you see somebody else that's starting some movement that's that has the Potential to be very big and very successful. What does that say about me So what I want to do is, I want to sabotage that other person so that I feel bigger in the process. I'm afraid of your success. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, no, no. Not Pen Yerba, it's Ken Yerba. You should want people's success. You should say, absolutely, I'm rooting for your success. I want you to be successful, I want you to be happy, I want you to thrive and to prosper. That's the difference between Parai and the Rabbeinah Shalom. The Tzad HaTayv in the world and the Tzad is the difference between Pen and cane? Are you rooting for people to succeed or are you plotting for people to fail? So Parai with his late son wanted to destroy all good in the world. He wanted to make sure that Kalal who were full of goodness and hope and, and salvation, that that should be completely silenced. Pen Yerba, because he was afraid of success sprouting, he didn't want anything to do with that. He'd rather destroy than build. And we see this very clearly, how Power looks for that weakness and that gotcha moment in order to say, ah, you see, I told you. I told you that these Jews were were not what they promised to be, what they claimed to be. You see only good, I see bad. Let's see how that comes to a head at the Makkas. There's a few of the Makkas that I can prove this from. We're going to just discuss two today. But there are more. During the Makkah of Dever, there's a great idea from the Vilna Nagain that he shares with us about the Makkah of Dever. Dever means when the cattle of the Egyptians all died and the Jewish cattle stayed alive. So the Pasuk says, This week's Parsha. From the cattle of Bnei not a single sheep died. So Paris said, "I got to see this for myself. Is this true that what they said was going to happen—that all the Jewish cattle stayed alive? Is that true?" No Jewish cattle died at Echad, whatever that means. And Paris' heart became hardened. It doesn't make sense to pasuk because the pasuk seems to be saying that. It checked out what he had heard, the rumors that all the Jewish cattle were alive, was exactly so, like Mace. Why should his heart become hardened? That should have inspired him to let the Jews out because what they promised came true. Isn't that a proof that Baruch Hu exists and that Lash was the Shli'ach of Hashem and that they were deserving of Ge'ulah? Why would his heart get hard at this point? says the Vilna Gaim, when the Pesach says Ad Echad, it doesn't mean that every single cattle of Bnei Yisrael survived. It means Ad Velayad Ad bichlal. There was a single sheep that died. One single solitary sheep did not survive the Maka of Deva. Whose sheep was that? Why didn't it survive? The answer is that there was a certain... Egyptian. We know the story because it was a Rashi in, in the parsha by when Moshe Rabbeinu was hitting the Egyptian. Who was this Egyptian that Moshe Rabbeinu killed? It was an Egyptian that came into the house of a certain married woman, a married Jewish woman, and he basically had a relationship with her. And then Moshe Rabbeinu killed him. But there was a child that came out of that relationship, and that child was the owner of that sheep that died. Now, why? Was that child that was born from that relationship, that forbidden relationship, was that a Jewish child or was that an Egyptian child? So we know that if a, a Jewish mother has a baby, regardless of who the father is, even if the father is not Jewish, the child is Jewish. That we know. That's a Gemara the Gemara is in Yavamis, Chof, Gimel, and Manal, of Akum, the Ebed Abba, Abbas, Yisrael, Havlat, Kasher. But, the Ramban in Parshish brings from the Chachme at Sarfatim, from the French Chachamim, that that only starts when? After matan After matan is when we go with maternal lineage to determine the religious status of a child. But before matan i.e. in Mitzrayim, before Mount Taira, the baby would have a status of an Egyptian, of a Mitzri, of a Gaia. In other words, this baby that was born from this relationship was really not Jewish, according to the Shita and the Ramban, but Para never learned that Ramban. Para just knew that this rule of descent, of religious Yichas comes from the mother. If the mother is Jewish, the child is Jewish. So therefore he says, Aha! This child is a Jew, and his sheep died. So it must be that I don't have to believe the entire story with Hashem, with Meishavim, Makas Dever." And so he went back and he says, Okay, that's it. Jews are wrong. I'm right. And let the servitude continue as planned. And it's a very strange thing. Because let's say even that he was right power. Let's say that he was a Jew. So because of one sheep, out of millions of sheep that stayed alive, one single solitary sheep had a heart attack and died. And for that one sheep, you're scrapping your entire, all of the inspiration, all of the musr that you got from Makis Dever is down the drain because of a single sheep. Who thinks that way? Only Alex thinks that way. Because remember, Alex sees whatever is chashev, he looks immediately, he doesn't look at the hashivas in it. He doesn't say, wow, that was an incredible thing I saw. I'm changed man, I'm a changed person. This is, this is a life-altering experience. He doesn't want to see that. He doesn't want to see good and positive and change and inspiration and emotion. He doesn't want that. Because that would mean that there is something Chashev in the world other than himself. What he wants to do is he wants to blow it up. He wants to sabotage it. He wants to find one thing that he could say, Aha! I told you so. Not Chashev, not true, bogus. Forget it. Harry found in Machis Dever one single solitary sheep. But one sheep died? According to my understanding, he was wrong. Because the Ramban, B'Shem at Atzapartim, was right. That child that owned that sheep was not even Jewish, and therefore he was part of the Mitzvim whose sheep died. But let's say Kara was right. That one sheep ruined everything. Millions of sheep stayed alive. That one dead sheep is enough to do in the entire his, the entire inspiration that Parai, all the Egyptians were very inspired but Parai, with his late son, was able to blow up the entire Makis devil because of one sheep. The other raya that I have from the Makis that you see Parai's real, true nature is, of course, Makis Bechairis. Makis Bechairis, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, will begin... B'chatzais at chatzais, at the strike of midnight, that's when the Makkah will begin. That's when I destroy all of the firstborn Egyptians. And all the firstborn Jews will survive. Moshe Rabbeinu comes to power and repeats what HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, but he changes one letter. Instead of saying, B'chatzais halayla, what does he say? K'chatzais halayla, at around midnight, He's like hedging a little bit. He's 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 not saying exactly at the stroke of midnight. When the clock strikes and the the cuckoo bird goes in in and out twelve times, that's when the Egyptians are going to start dying? He says, no. At around midnight, give or take. Give or take. How could gave to at the strike of midnight? That's when it will begin. And Meshav says says, What happened? Where, where is Meshav loyalty, fealty to the Rebbeinu Shleon's word? Why is he saying kachatzeis? So the Gemara says in Brachas, we had it recently in the Daft, and Rashi brings it, that the reason why Meshav didn't say was by design. He could have said it, and it would be true but he was afraid of something. Shema yitu itztagninei parai, lest the itztagninim, the cabinet ministers, those sorcerers that were surrounding parai, would make a mistake. The ru'may And parai and the whole Khavra will say, you know, they're looking at their clocks. Ba'chatzais halayla, And on their clocks, it's not yet twelve it's 11.59 and, and 33 seconds, or it's 12.01 and 2 seconds, ah, my Shrevein is a liar. Now, does that make sense? Even if your watch is off, or my watch is right, your watch is or whatever it is, does that make sense that you have exactly what after the promised taking place? The Egyptians are all dropping like flies. Every firstborn Egyptian or every person that's from another country that just happens to be in Mitzrayim that night, they're all dying and they're firstborns. And you're able to even, there's a lot of, a lot of chaos that night in Mitzrayim because people were realizing who was really from whose marriage. Because meaning if a, if a woman had a, a baby that was assumed to be the Bukhar, but all of a sudden he's not dying, you realize that she probably had another child from somebody else, and people that were thought to be b'chayim were not b'chayim. It was a big, uh, a very, very busy night in Egypt, to put it mildly. A lot going on. But it was true. Every single Egyptian, one way or another, was dying. Is the biggest problem that the clock was off by a few seconds, or by even a minute or two, is that the biggest problem? Would anyone normal say that, okay, the whole thing is, is a lie because you were off, it wasn't exactly a bachat size? Yes. Because Moshe Rabbeinu knew exactly who he was dealing with. He was dealing with Mitzrayim. He was dealing with Parah. Parah was the king of the late him. And if Oletz has any opportunity whatsoever to find any hole in something any weakness anything that's slightly off that's enough to destroy the entire picture the entire chashivas hadaber. i could be mavato i could say it's nothing because of a small detail that you feel is wrong it's a mischa it doesn't make sense but that's the mind of a letz the mind of a letz is not looking to be impressed and and, and to say this is amazing Alex will never say those words. Alex will never say, that person is incredible. Uh, that sheer was, was unbelievably perfect. You'll never hear that from Alex. You'll always hear what's wrong. He doesn't know how to deliver. He, sounds, uh, he doesn't sound legit. He, I can tell he's not for real. I can tell uh, he didn't prepare. He should have, uh, whatever it is. They're never willing to be misrashing. They're never willing to be moved, to be inspired, to be impressed by anything, because by admitting that something else is great, that means that I am am less than great in their mind. And so it's so much easier to destroy things and build myself up like on a seesaw. I could push myself up. I could push you down. It's much better than having to build you up. That's the Sheyresh Hara in the world. Wait, Sonos is the Sheyresh Hara. Make no mistake about it. Mesher Abenu, on the other hand, represents the Rabbeinu the King Yirba camp. And he's looking for positive. He's looking to say, this is amazing, this is incredible. That's what HaKadosh Baruch wants. HaKadosh Baruch wants King Yerbe. Build up the good, see something good, and say, everything is perfect, everything is beautiful, everything is... It's fantastic. So Meshur Abenu at this moment during the Makkah, Zelu Mazah, Meshur had to counter all the forces of evil that power was bringing in through the macas. and saying that one Makkah after another Makkah is Bato, Bato, Bato. Meshur had to build up everything. And he shows that. He demonstrates that. Dam Svardei Akinim, he doesn't even start the Makkah. You know Why? How could I start the Makkah? Look at the Y'ar. The Y'ar is so chasha. The Y'ar saved my life. I owe it so much akaras hatayv. The offer, I, I could hit the offer that should bring and How could I do that? The offer, I, I buried the mitzvah. It saved my life. What Mesh was showing in Dafka here is, don't be like Parag. Don't be somebody that everything is bought to... I should should be mashup. It's an inanimate object. There's no covet in in an inanimate object. I don't have to show it any respect. Oh, yes, you do. Everything you owe respect to. Look for the positive in everything. I look at ER. Everyone else looks at ER and sees water. I see something that saved my life. That's a, a, a new way of thinking. You see dirt. I see that this is my protector. The dirt is not dirt. It's my protector. It protected me when I had to hide that Mitzri's body. I, I buried it in the sand. The sand itself is so amazing. Moshe Rabbeinu is showing us, don't be like Paran. Don't be plagued by cynicism through the Makis. Paran was not able to see anything good in the Makis that our shows showed to the world how... How HaKadosh Baruch who runs the world, now Kalyasol is the Amanipha. Paris saw nothing but negativity. He rolled his eyes, raised his eyebrows, cynical, negative, put down, not impressed by anything. Meshrabani says, be impressed by everything. Give everything Hashivas, show everything covered. Human beings are all amazing. Find the good in them. Even inanimate objects are amazing. If I have to give covet to an inanimate object, to be mackertive to the good that it did for me, Allah has kama v'kama, do I have to see every human being as being something special? Itzelu ma'zeh. I think the word parai and the word maisha really shows this very clearly, this, this line of demarcation between one type of person and another type of person. Parai means... Parua. Ki paruah. Well, parua means to expose, to reveal, to be exposed. Paruah is looking to expose the negative about everything. He wants to find the weakness. He wants to find the weakest link in the chain so he can destroy the chain. That's what Paruah is. That's what his is his late son is. It's late son is It's just find something to destroy about everybody and about everything. Just rip them down. Find something funny about them, something that's humorous, something that you could say is, is wrong about the person, and destroy the entire person because of that one thing. I, I the fact that the guy is a, a tremendous, he's an amazing person, and he, he does so much good, he gets so much, who cares? That's not what I'm focused on, I'm focused on the negative. Meshach Abeno went by the name of Meshach, Moshe Rabbeinu Chazal, say, had other beautiful names, Abigdar and Tobia and Tayyib and many other names, beautiful names. But yet he went by the name Moshe. Every place in the Tayyib, you're not going to find any other name for Moshe except for Moshe. Moshe means, He was drawn out of the water. Because Moshe Abeinu, this Vardar of Chaim Shmulevitz, how he would refuse to even hit the water to begin the Makkah, that's not just an anecdotal story about Moshe Rabbeinu. That defines Moshe Rabbeinu. Ki menamai Mishisi, we constantly remember how he owes so much to the water, an inanimate object. So what? The water saved my life? I give it tremendous chashivas. I remember it with I, 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 I'm eternally grateful to the water. I can't do anything negative to water because water did so much for me. And if he's Mesh Rabbeinu does that for water. Can you imagine what he does for everybody else, for actual human beings that he looks at, that breathes, and that think, and that smile, and that cry? Imagine how sensitive he is to everybody. That's Moshe. Moshe versus Pari. Pare is paruahu. He's looking to expose the negative. Mesh Rabbeinu is looking to reveal the positive. The pasuk says, "Vaish Moshe Anav Ma'ayit." Moshe Rabbein was very humble, Mikala Adam, Asher adam. <clears throat> From Mikalah Adam, he was the most humble of men, Mikalah Adam. So the Chassidish Sfarim write a beautiful pshat about what this pasuk might also mean <coughs> beyond the Pshuta shal Mikra, that he was humble, Mikalah Adam, more than any other man. You know what it means. You know where Meisher Avena's anivas stems from? Mikala Adam. He looked at every single person, and he was humbled at everybody. There are two ways of looking at people. I could look at you and say, "I'm better than you," and immediately my mind, like a almost like a computer program is programmed immediately, the code starts running, and I think in order, to, in order to validate my entire personality, my entire life, my entire being, what do I do? I think, what way am I better than this guy? Okay, it's true that he's successful in that, but I'm, I'm pretty successful in my, in my way. So immediately my mind begins to look at you in a negative way. So if I'm richer than you, I'm richer than you. If I'm smarter than you, I'm smarter than you. If, I, uh, if, I, if I'm better looking than you, I'm better looking than you. If I have a better yichas than you, I have a better yichas than you. If, I, if, I, if I'm more popular than you, I'm more popular. I always immediately go back, regroup in my mind, think, what way am I better than you? And that way I could go and walk away and, and, and feel good about myself. I don't have to be threatened by you. That's what like a narcissist would do. That's what a, a cynic would do, a skeptical person. Because a person doesn't want to feel that somebody's better than than he. An Anav, a healthy person, an Anav doesn't mean that I don't know my qualities and that I think I'm a nobody and I'm depressed and I'm, I'm despondent and I walk around like a schlump. That's not what an Anav means. Anivos means I know who I am. I very much am aware and I am grateful for all of the gifts that Akadosh Baruch gave me, but when I look at you, the immediate calculation in my mind is not boy, I'm so much better than you, nebuchadnezzar on you. But I immediately hone in, not on what you have that's not good, but what you have that's amazing. And if I'm able to find in you something that is amazing and inspirational and admirable, then that makes me humble. And the truth is that you could do this for everybody, no matter who you meet, you could find something, and it could humble you. Mikala Adam. how? How is he so humble? Mikala Adam. Every single person that he met, he found something, not negative, to push down about the person, but to build up, and to say, wow, this person's amazing. I don't know if I could do what he's doing if I was in his matzav. Sometimes a person, you know, rings your doorbell, and needs money, has children to marry off, has sick people in the family, and they, nebuch, they come to my door, and there's two ways of looking at it. The guy's on a, an, an, you know, let him get a job, and immediately, that, that's a cynical way of doing it. Or you could say, you know what, he has so many nesianists in life, what would I do if I was in his matzah? Let's say I had to go and, and, and raise money because I have no job, and I have no, I have no, no prospects for income or if there's a sick person in the family, would I be able to have the fortitude to go and put on a winter coat in the middle of the winter and knock on people, on strange random people's doors and ask for money? Would I be able to do that? And this person is doing it. This person is a Malach Hashem Tzavakiz. This person's an amazing human being. He's an inspiring personality. He's not a Nebuchadnezzar A cynical person, or the cynic within us, right away says, get a job. The person that has a sensitive heart, the Meshra Abenu inside of us, not the parrot, the Meshra Abenu is looking to find an amazing attribute about the person that I actually respect about him, that he's much better than I. He's better than I. That makes me humble. Listen to this Chavis Al Babis. Chavis Al Babis is in Shara Knia, which means to be, uh, Machnia yourself, to be humble. Herak Yod. They once asked one of the wise men in the generation, Yisa how did you become the God of This was not a Chacham Tz'am. This is a Chacham that was the Odin Mikol Dair. He was the God of whoever he was talking about. I don't know who the Chacham was referring to, but it was a <laughs> tremendous rabbi. And... He was asked, they interviewed him, they said, how did you attain the status of being the al Deirei, to be the Roshkabahag, the Roshlachal Bnei Abela? How did you do it? How did you pull it off? Amar, he said, I have never in my life, this is a person that was presumably a Bucky and Shasem Tremendous, me this. Arsko was probably already working on their biography, big fat biography full of great stories and great anecdotes and great history. And from the day that he was born, already was a bucky and shas until the day he died, <laughs> working on himself, building himself up. But he said, "I never found in my life. I've met thousands of people. Never in my life did I find a single person that." Didn't have a single, that didn't have some sort of attribute, some sort of my law that I did not possess. How is that possible? You can never find a person that you're better than. You're the God of Adam. He says, no. If that person happened to be smarter than me, he's smarter than me, he probably has more Yerushimaim. Because he's so smart. If he's less smart than me, I used to say about him, he's going to do much better than me and Din, he's not as smart as me. So I know everything. I'm a in all of the Elchus you can ask me, give me a, a shoe test, an Elchus Lashonara, I'll ace it. So that's good, obviously, it's a good thing, I guess. The problem is that you're going to come up to Shammai and you're going to say, listen, you are such a bucky in Hilchas Lashon Hara. How did you speak Lashon i On this and this day, at this and this time, we have records. You spoke Lashon Hara. You are, you, when you spoke Lashon you did it amazing. Amazing is an altogether different category than doing a Bashaik. This guy who's not as smart as me, is not a bucky in these halachas, but I'm not going to be arrogant over him. Because he doesn't know the halachas. I'm a little bit envious of him in a certain way for not being such a smart guy because in Shamayim Lassabah, he, he has a good excuse. I'm not so smart. I, I, I didn't take the Dershu test. I, I don't know about Hilchus Lashonara, every sifkat in Hilchus So when I spoke Lashonara, I didn't mean to. I did it B'Shagin. You see what he's doing? The Chacham is not being cynical and saying, ah, I, I, I'm a buck in Hilchus Lashonara. Look at me. I finish shots. I know Mishnava backwards and forwards. I don't, I don't, that's that's Gaiva. That means that I'm looking down, on everybody that didn't. But I could turn that entire thing around. I could use what what might be a mile in my brain and look at it as a as a chisaron almost. And I could look at it as a weakness in me because when I do an Avirah, I'm, I'm much more on the hook for that. And the Chayes Ahavas continues that if he's older than me, he must have more schusim than me. If he's younger than me, then he must have less haveris than me. He says, if he is richer than me, I'd say, wow, he must have an amazing uh, portfolio of tzeduk organizations that he's giving to. He's a multimillionaire. He's probably helping out countless yeshivas, countless Kailim, countless aniyim. And if I'm richer than him... And he is a poor guy, he's much more beloved to the Rabbi because he's humble. Es Ruaf, he's broken, he's shattered. After loves people with a broken heart. In other words, Myshe Rabbeinu. He was so humble. How can he be humble? He went up to Karsina, he was maqabul the tyra 40 days, 40 nights. He left Clal Yisrael, he, he, he represented us from the Sna until, until we went into Eretz Yisrael. How could he say that he was unav? What, what What's humble about Maishra Beinah? How could he possibly, unless he's, he's, he's completely not aware of who he was? The answer is he was aware of who he was. He wasn't in, a, in some sort of, uh, of spell that he was unaware of his Milo's. He knew every single Milo that he had and he was grateful for them. But, he was able to look at other people with positive eyes. He was able to see something fantastic and amazing and admirable in everybody. And that's what made him my You're richer than me, you give more tzedakah. You're poorer than me, loves you're estikah ushval ruach. You're smarter than me, you must be a huge tamachachim. You're less smart than me, you're going to be a shaygig be din If you have eyes like that, you are an amazing human being. Then you're on the good side of history. You're on the right side of history. You're on the side of Mesher Abedinu Klal and the Rabbeinu Shalom. You're on the King Yirba side of the equation. Everything I want you to be, to grow, to be magnified, King Yirva. I hear that you're successful in something. I hear you did a great shidduch. I hear you got a great job. You got into a great graduate school. What do I say about you when I hear those things? Do I say pen Or do I say ken Am I genuinely happy for you? Or do I wish you not well? Ask yourself that question. What are we, B'chadre Aleib, internally? What are we? Where are we? Where are we holding when we meet other people, do we right away size them up in order to knock them down or do we say, wow, this is an amazing person? That is the difference between Mesh Rabbeinah and Power. That's the difference between being a Yid, a proper Yid, and a Yid that's, that's not a proper Yid. It's all in the attitude. We have to strive in our life to be an anti-let's. To never have that Let's, the late summers. I know a guy in a certain shul that I daven in, one of many shuls that I daven in, that he is a classical Let's. Not a funny guy, he's a very somber guy, very serious guy. But he's always bitter, and he's always negative. He will never, ever utter one positive word out of that mouth. Never. He's not a kid. He's not a teenager. He's not a young adult. He's a man in his 80s. And I have no doubt that he didn't have a nice day in his life because of that. Now, he's a, a very successful businessman. He has money. He has a nice family. But he will never utter one positive word. The rabbi, terrible. The president, awful. The, the shul, air conditioning needs to be fixed. The heat is freezing. Never will he say something nice. It will always be cynical. And it's the saddest thing to watch because nebuch on you, nebuch on your family, nebuch on your wife, nebuch on your kids, nebuch on people that have to listen to this negativity. That's parody. Why do you need to destroy everything? Why can't you see the good in something? And then there are people that are so wonderful to be around. They're so positive. They're just brimming with positivity. They see somebody, and where everybody else might see bad, they just see like a a mollusk. They see that this person's an amazing person. They have like a obliviously by ditch of glasses. That whatever they see is all well, positive. I can't see negative. can't see any negative. This person's amazing. This is amazing. Are there chesraintes? Of course, there's always chesraintes. But I don't see them. I have a blind spot to negative. I don't want to be that negative guy. I don't want to be the person that's always harping on what's wrong, what's bad, what's negative. I want to be the person that just emits those good karma rays that people just like want to be around me because I'm always good, I'm always positive I'm not looking to undermine anybody I don't need to destroy you to build myself up I don't always have to be the cynical guy that's always making that shtach that barb, that remark that that will destroy an entire Musashmus, that will destroy an entire community that will destroy an entire yeshiva that will destroy a person's profession what do I get out of it? Why would I want to be a paru? Why would I want to be pereya? Expose people's weaknesses when I could be a Meishra When I could be an Anav, I Mikol adam? look at everybody positively. Be appreciative of everything. Be appreciative of, of the shtender that you're dining by, by the table, the chair that you're sitting on right now. Meishra said, this is an amazing chair. It's unbelievable. Look, it's an adamant. What are you talking to the chair for? I'm not talking to the chair. I'm talking to myself. I'm making myself a positive person by respecting and appreciating and building up everything. There are people that will always say negative. And you have to stay as far away from those people as possible because negativity is very contagious. It's a very, very contagious disease to be a negative person. If you're surrounded by negative people, you will be negative. You can't help it. That's just the way it is. If you're surrounded by positive people with a little bit of ma'azel and phila, you could change your Mida and become a very positive person. If you're a negative person, your marriage is terrible, your children are terrible, your job is terrible, your shul is terrible, your rub is terrible. Life is terrible for, for, for less. It's the worst life in the world. If you're a positive person, it doesn't mean that suddenly you, become, you win the lottery, and you're driving a fancy car and you're living in a beautiful home and you have perfect wife, perfect children, it doesn't mean that at all. But in a way, it, it does. Because if you're able to see good in everything, then your life becomes beautiful. It's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of attitude. How do I want to go forward in my life? Do I want to... You're at a great age in life. You are at like the best time in your life right now, today because you still have choices to be made. Once you get my age, and you're sort of locked in a certain situation, you could change, but it's very hard, and it's not comfortable, and it's not easy. Right now, if you're not married, and you're a bacher learning Beis management, Talmud, you have your entire life ahead of you, you could decide right now, today, Hayyim. right now, I want to be a Mishra, I don't want to be a power. I want to be positive. I want to only find positivity. And the girl that I marry, I want her to be positive. Also, very, very important. You say, it, I'm telling you right now. How do you know? Very easy. You know, very easy. If you're going out on a date with a girl, and she sits in a, she comes into a room, and the first thing she does is, it's freezing in here. Let's get out of here. Or, you know, it's boiling hot. Don't they have an air conditioner in this place? Or the service here is like awful. How, do, how does this restaurant even exist? Or this food is, is absolutely, I don't know what everyone's saying, it's so good, I, I can't eat this. I, I'm like getting nauseous from it. All of that type of conversation, you think that I'm exaggerating, I'm really not. If you sense that that person has that, or if you sense that about yourself, forget the girl, what about you? If you have that attitude that as soon as you come into a room, you right away feel you have to size things up negatively, find the chisreinahs, oh my gosh, this, the wallpaper is horrid. I don't know who was the interior decorator. I don't know why they would serve this or why they would hire this person or, or play that music. Or If you're that type of person, then you have to change today. Because there's a fire that's going on, ki paruahu, you're exposing people and the worst person, the greatest exposing that you're doing is yourself. You're exposing your own terrible midas. You're exposing your own bitterness, your own negativity, the fact that you can't take other people being successful. And that's a terrible, terrible mida. There's no worse mida than that. But you have a chance to change. And you can say, from now on, I want to be positive. I want to look at another person and say, not say right away, this person, bad dresser, you know, too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, too bad dresser, bad uh, bad hair, bad... Stop that. Size the person up with type. Say, wow, this person is an amazing person. I see that as Yerushalayim, he came to yeshiva, he wants to learn. He has a good heart. He must be a really good friend. He has a lot of sorrows in life, and despite all of his sorrows, he's still here, he's still trying, he's still learning, he's still giving it his all. That's an amazing person. If you have that attitude, imagine how great your kids will be if you could give your kids all that positive energy. Like Re- Re- Revolvi writes, he was uh, famous for his, his brilliance in Chinof. He says that, that you have to be the sunlight for your child to grow. Your child's a flower, and you have to give your child that sunlight that he needs, that smile, that positive energy. Imagine when a child comes home, and, and it's very common. Sometimes children come home and they bring home a report card, or they bring home a test. And on the test it says that he got a 75. So a lot of parents will right away look at the child and say, how did you get a 75? You didn't study... What is that? You know, this is such an easy test, and the child takes the test after you, like, begrudgingly sign it to show the teacher that you saw it, and the child walks away feeling like a loser. Like, like my father doesn't think that I'm that I'm smart. He thinks I'm lazy. He thinks I'm a bum. There's another way of looking at it. Seventy-five is not so bad. Seventy-five percent of something is pretty good. If I've got 75% of you know, gambling, at, gambling at a racetrack, if I'm 75% of the time right, I'm a very wealthy man. If 75% of the stocks that I choose go up, I'm doing quite well. If a, if a pitcher strikes out 75% of the batters, that's amazing, he's a Hall of Famer. If a batter hits 75% of, his, of, his, of the pitches, he's also heading to Cooperstown. What's so bad about 75? 75 is pretty good. Think about that. So if you say to your child when he brings home a 75, 75, you got 75, there's three, quarter, three out of every 4 quarters you got, right? Give him a kiss on the, on the forehead and, and send him off to play outside. And sign it proudly. And when you do that, he's going to want to get an 85 and a 95. Because you gave him positivity. You weren't the lets. You weren't right away looking to, to undercut him and to swipe him and to, and to, and to give him a, a patch for, 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 for what wasn't so bad. Your children will be happy, healthy, normal people if you have the ability to be a positive influence on them. Your wife will be a happy woman if she is constantly showered with, with, with compliments and why you look great, and it's amazing, and I, I love the chones, I love the kugel, I love how'd you bake this challah. If you say those things and you look at the positive things, then you'll be an amazing husband. If you're right away saying, you burnt this again? What do you think you're going to do for her self-esteem? What is she going to want to do next Shabbos? You have to be makarotayv to everybody, to everything. You have to be positive. You have to just look at the good in life. There's so much good in every single person. There's so much good in everything. But it's all a matter of perspective. You can have the power perspective, the leitzonas, the pen irbe. And that's why para got all the makas, and then and all the punishments were because of this this kvadle that he had, this inability to see the positive, that's what brought him down. That's what sunk him, literally, because he was never able to say, "Wow, all the all the mikneh stayed alive, all the miknev, the mitzvah died." That's that that's, that's amazing. No, I, I found one one sheep that was that stayed that, that died. The whole thing is gone. Pachatzeis, instead of pachatzeis, boom, off for the head. That means that the whole thing is wrong miscalculation, mis- error, forget about it, game over. We can't be a power. Some of us and a lot of us have a natural in- instinct to be power-like. We all have that in us, I think. And we have to work really hard. This is probably the most important schmooze topic to be given. We have to work very hard to suppress the power and to build up the nation inside of us. Look at where we come from. Appreciate it. You were drawn out of the water and remember that the rest of your life. Don't take anything for granted. Understand the water saved. Inanimate object save me. I have to be makir to that. I can't be a power and say, who cares? Be a battle the water, being a battle the other. It's inanimate. It's nothing. It doesn't. I don't owe him any, anything. He was going to do it anyway. There's a chazal that say that a a good guest goes into, is invited somewhere for Shabbos and says, "Kal Masha Everything that was made here was for me. It's un- unbelievable. He was invited to a Shabbos. They look at the, the chill and the kugel, the chicken, the salad, the t- dessert. It was all the, the the hostess made it for me. What does an irayach rase? It wasn't for me. They're making it anyway. But they were if I wouldn't come to the Shabbos meal, they would they would starve tonight. They, they would have eaten it anyway. It was just another, you know, and they put it in an extra plate, big deal. That is not just an Ayurayah in a, in the literal sense, a guest that goes to a house for Shabbos. That means a, a guest throughout life. We're guests in the Rabban Ishlam's home over here. Are we going to appreciate everything Aqadish Braflu does and say to the Rabbi Islam, thank you for everything that you've given me. You, you you created this whole beautiful world for me. You know the of from used to say about the sun, the Shemesh. He'd say it's my sun, my person. That's what he used to you know. Is my sun out today? Is my sun shining today? When you your sun? It's it's. There's billions of people in the world. That's the problem. When we think that there are billions of people in the world and the sun wasn't created for me, that's where the power comes in. If you look at the sun and say, that's my sun, HaKadosh made that for me. And this chair that I'm sitting in is my chair. HaKadosh Baruch allowed me to have this chair. And my car is my car. And the grass outside is, is my grass. And the fact that I'm breathing, it's my oxygen, it's my lungs that HaKadosh Baruch gave me. And you appreciate everything. You have different eyes. You're a different person. But if you say everything, of course, uh, you know, grass. Everybody's walking on the grass. Everybody's using the sun. Everybody's enjoying the rain. Everybody gets free water. everybody It's not true, but even if it is true, what you're doing is you're being a wets. You're saying that I don't care about how great the sun is because everybody has the sun. It's not for me. That's what sun That's cynicism. <coughs> That's basically taking a beautiful big balloon and taking out your big pin and popping it. And we have a choice in life at this moment, right now, don't wait, to change our entire perspective on life. We could be the greatest human beings. We could be like the Chacham Godor. That was an Adan al-Kal diary, like the Khavis Always says that just from merely looking at the positive, Mikal Adam, focus on the good in everybody, your roommate, your chavrusa the guy in your sheer, the guy that's, that, that, that's the, the most popular guy in yeshiva and the least popular guy in yeshiva, find positive about that person. Know that if the person has miles you don't have, look up to those miles. Don't put them down. If the person has kisreinus that Baruch Hashem you don't have, say, there but, but for the grace of God go I. I don't know what I would do if I had his, 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 his challenges in life, his family, his health, his... His money issues. I don't know what I would do. I'd probably go crazy. I'd probably go up the he's, down. He's strong. He's coming to Yeshiva. He's trying his best. Be mechabed him. Honor him. And that will make you an honor. That will make you an amazing human being. Yes, Hashem, we have to take these lessons from power. Parab could be our best Rebbe. Take the lessons of power. See how Nebuch, how, how, how he suffered because he was such a narcissist. He was such a cynic. And follow the ways of Meshrabeinu Kimenama Mah Mishisiu. Appreciate everything, where you came from, where you're going, what you have, and what other people have, and what other people don't have. Always hone in on the positive and never ever on the negative. Have a good chance.